All right. Well, welcome to the Shantae Golson Show, where we talk about performance, uh, productivity, profitability, and mental health. And so I want you to welcome my guest on today, Vicki. So Vicki helps overachievers manage their anxiety so they can stop overworking uh, and get more done in a 40-hour work week. Welcome, Vicki. Thank you so much for having me. Glad uh, to have the opportunity to speak with you as well. Now you have a, a podcast called uh, "F Anxiety and Get S Done," so you can feel that in uh, as I've kind of talked to you about my particular uh, point of view regarding that. So, what's the name of your podcast? It's F asterisk C K. So fuck anxiety and get S H asterisk T done. Okay. All right. So you particularly have a, uh, or had a relationship with anxiety and procrastination. And so I imagine that this is your, where your niche came out of your own need. And so I wanted to kind of uh, talk to you a little bit about that concerning your own need and what that really consists of. Talk to us about the beginning of your podcast. Why anxiety and get stuff done why yeah listen so a few years ago I mean I was a I was a coach already and people two people that I remember came to me and asked me if I could coach them on anxiety and I said no 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 you need to go to a doctor for anxiety like based on everything that I'd heard and what I'd seen I was like like this is not gonna help you like this is this is uh like that's like quite a serious thing that I've heard about I've never experienced it I don't like all this like misinformation. And then fast forward a few months and I was waking up into panic attacks in the morning, except I didn't know what they were because they didn't fit the definition that I had come across. So I was waking up basically into my heart pounding, into sweat, into dizziness, lightness in my head, into thousands of thoughts racing, like really high alert. Um, obviously all the hormones pumping through my body and it happened like every day for almost two weeks before my husband was like, I, I don't think what's happening to you and how you're waking up is normal. I think like something's going on. And I spoke to a friend and she was like, yeah, it sounds like anxiety. I was okay. like, what? Because like I, I have that in the morning and then I just get on with my day later. But everything that I've heard about anxiety was as though like I wouldn't be able to function or do anything or get out of bed. And she was like, no, it sounds like, Anxiety. So then I went to Dr. Google and from there I saw things that just didn't make any sense or weren't helpful or useful. So for example, like a definition of anxiety, what is anxiety? And it said, anxiety is a feeling of unease, overwhelm and worry. I was like, that helps 0%. I still don't know what that means because how is anxiety then different? So if anxiety is a feeling of worry, then why use the word anxiety and not just say the feeling of worry? So um, one of the things that I do with my clients, and I think we'll speak about this soon, is like I teach them how to define anxiety specifically. And when we know exactly what's happening versus like, I don't know if it's worry or overwhelm or what it is, there's still a lot of uncertainty and obviously the anxiety feeds on the uncertainty and so it's like perpetuating the problem um and then I also came across a statistic that said one in five American adults will suffer from an anxiety disorder and my background was economics and statistics and 
I looked at that sentence and thought, hmm, 20% of a population size of 100 million people doesn't sound like a disorder. It sounds like a trend, <laughs> right? Like nowhere else in the world would that be, like it's not like an anomaly. And I started to think and get curious about like, well, why, why does it exist? Why do so many of us have it? And that's when I started going down the like evolutionary biology roots of like understanding our brains and understanding how we've evolved and how anxiety like evolved to keep us alive because for everyone listening I'm just gonna say this very important point which I think we're never taught our brains one job is not to make us happy all the time our brains one job is to keep us alive and anxiety and the release of those hormones that make us you know able to run faster longer and feel less pain and be on alert was very mm -hmm. useful when we lived in the wild which we have done throughout most of the, the existence of humans. So that was my story. Uh, that, so basically, essentially, I wasn't finding solutions out there for someone like me that was experiencing anxiety and also that wasn't like, go to a doctor, go take pills, go to, a, you know, like quite extreme things. And I was like, I don't feel like I need something like that. And I was already a life coach and I started to apply those tools combined with an understanding of evolutionary biology and cognitive science. And I was like, and I'm, I mean, the last panic attack I had was June last year and it was a completely different experience. Like even now, if I was to have one, I wouldn't even mind. Mm -hmm. So a couple of things that I want to pick up on what you stated was uh, the interesting term trend when it comes to anxiety. So I want to kind of piggyback on that just a little bit. And I understand that you were referencing the statistics show that so many people were touching or uh, anxiety was a part of their life, that it was something that became subcultural from what I'm understanding from you. So when it comes to subcultural and it comes to business owners and executives as a business owner yourself, as a coach, my question is, what did it do in terms of keeping you away from being as successful as you can be, like your productivity and profits? Let's kind of talk about that. How did that trend of anxiety affect your business? I mean, for me, it's ended up making it a lot more profitable and a lot more productive, but I think it was like problem solving. It's kind of like anything else in business. There's a problem and our brain most comfortably sits in the problem and spins in the problem. And this is what we do when we experience anxiety. We fight with the anxiety. We give our energy to getting rid of the anxiety. We judge the anxiety. We judge ourselves because of the anxiety. We make it mean things about us and what we're capable of. Instead of learning, and we're never taught this, right? Instead of learning how to get things done with anxiety like the anxiety is not a stop sign and a lot of my clients come to me and tell me things like i stopped my work that i was doing and meditated for two hours to try and calm my anxiety and i'll say did you get rid of it and i'll say well no <laughs> and i'll say yeah sometimes we're not supposed to get rid of it and the statistic that i gave of like 20 percent remember that said disorder i think everyone in the world experiences anxiety on some level if we were to think of like a scale of one to ten um, and it's just like where we are on that scale. Anxiety itself is normal. It's like a, an, it's a physically speaking, like evolutionarily speaking, anxiety itself is how we've evolved to be. So every person would experience it at some point. 
Okay. And so because there are different levels, then initially your first onset, that's what we call it in the medical world, your first onset or the first experience with anxiety, did it not affect you because until you got a hold of it, until you understood it, did it not affect your business at all? Well, it affected my sleep and how I'd wake up. But for me, it was like, in the more it was just very intense in the morning and because I didn't have I didn't know that I had anxiety I had no story around it it mm. was like I was very quick to be like oh this is what happens in the morning and then I just get on with my day and, and it's kind of like it was my blessing because I didn't know what it was because I wasn't engaging in those conversations and that self-judgment it didn't spiral into my whole day so no and actually like you know in the end it ended up being such a driver for me and now like I problem solve my clients in terms of getting them to show up and take action and produce results mm -hmm. with anxiety to such a level that it's not a problem like it doesn't have to be a problem I think that like I will say that I don't work with clients that can't get out of bed right like there's like like that scale but if you are able to like function and hold down a job and get out of bed and do a food shop then the tools and the things that I teach are gonna have that impact on you okay all right so uh, when you talk about the relationship between your experience and how it bloomed into a business, uh, what was that moment, that aha moment to say, other people may need to understand this. When did you start the, the journey of learning and developing a business out of it? Yeah, really good question. Because I, was or I already had a coaching business and it was kind of like, it kind of happened in pretty real time. Mm -hmm. Because I've had my own experience of literally turning people away and saying, I can't help you with anxiety. And then I had my mind blown and saw that this could really help people with anxiety. And then seeing like the suddenly I was involved in conversations and dialogue that previously I'd separated myself from because I wasn't an anxious person and I, I didn't understand. I didn't relate and all this misinformation I had. Suddenly I was... Um, partaking in those conversations and even being on people's podcasts and getting interviewed and a lot of the dialogue that I was coming across was very like suffer and disorder and you know all of this stuff and people would come up to me and tell me like you know my, I'm so worried about my kid and we need to fix them and then other people would come to me and say from when I was a kid I've been told that I need fixing and I'm like what is going on that we are you know when someone is told that they are broken and that they need to be fixed, that's more damaging than the anxiety itself. And it just really spurred me on. And that's why I created the podcast quite, like when I was too busy to take on more clients, I created the podcast because I was like, people need this information because the, the, the noise around anxiety, there's so much noise, there's yeah. so much information and our brains are attracted to the worst case scenario by design, we have a negativity bias. And then add to that, that, like, so people are just thinking like, oh, if I have anxiety, it must mean I have a worst case scenario of it. And we're not really, I wasn't seeing anywhere a place where people were being taught to feel empowered through their anxiety. It was very like pity and shame and broken and fixed. And, you know, we need to like solve this problem versus mm -hmm. like, oh, you can like be successful and have anxiety. And if anything, what I've seen in my own, like, history with my clients is the most ambitious people have the most anxiety because ambition by definition is that choosing to step out of that comfort zone 
and you know our brain's job is to keep us alive and keep us in that comfort zone <laughs> so it releases those hormones when it thinks we're about to enter a dangerous situation which can literally be walking into a meeting or going on a date or you know going to public speak whatever it might be so how does one how do you teach individuals to push through uh, anxiety because you're not focusing on reducing or overcoming you're focusing on pushing through so what are some of the tools that, uh, tricks the strategies that you share uh, that have been proven throughout your coaching business that could be helpful for my audience yeah I think even like I would I wouldn't say the phrase pushing through because it sounds like forceful and that's kind of the opposite of everything that I do okay. so it's really about our brain, by, like by design, the three most common mistakes that we do are we resist it. So we're like fighting with it and judging it and not wanting to be there and trying to like suppress it and hold it down, which creates mm -hmm. more tension literally in our body and more anxiety. The second thing that I see um, often is like reacting to it. So like starting and stopping a million different things, jumping around like trying to get through all the whole to-do list so that we can feel calm mm -hmm. creates like some like erratic behavior which again fuels the anxiety and the third is and this is most common for the times that we live in is avoiding it and that can be you know anything from like going to netflix to like shutting the computer and not doing the work to going to meditate for two hours in the middle of the day to eating drinking whatever it might be like mm -hmm. avoiding and, and again not only does that not get rid of the anxiety because it's still there as a slow murmur we can end up with additional problems like over drinking for example so it can be like a net negative effect um nice. mm -hmm. so those are the three things that often people have spent their time doing before they come to me and what i teach them to do is to allow it like allow it like you allow a kid to have candy like when you are the allower you are the position of authority. If I allow you into my home, it's my home, right? So instead of looking to like get rid of it in any way, just allow the experience. And this comes back to what we touched on earlier, which is what is anxiety? What actually is it? So, so for me, it was heat. It was sweating. It was pounding in my chest. It was um, a dizziness in my head. All of those things that meant that I, when I felt like a panic coming on, I knew if I had time to like grab open a window, make sure I'm sat down, put my head between my legs and focus on breathing out. Now that changed the whole experience of like that panic attack. And suddenly it was like a much shorter period. And I was able to still think I'm in control. I know what's happening. I know why it's happening and I'm still in control and I know it's going to end. Now, for my clients, they'll have different experience of how it affects them physically in their body. Um, but that's really it, giving space for it to be there. Not to get rid of it, but just give it space and when, if it's really intense and then going down that scale to where it's not super intense and then continuing with what you were doing. Now, listen, sometimes it might be a matter of like, I had 10, you know, my clients will never have 10 things to do in a day because we do less. But I have five things that I wanted to do today. Maybe I'm going to make a different decision now. Maybe I'm going to microtask. Maybe I'm going to break this one thing up. Maybe I'm going to put some more breaks in. Maybe I'm going to make sure I go out for a walk. Like we're still the CEO of our life and the decision maker and can make decisions from kindness, but we don't need to like stop everything to like fight with the anxiety or to diminish the anxiety or to argue with the anxiety. Like, like I say, like anxiety is part of the human experience. So when we put our energy to getting rid of it completely, we're going to fail. And then that starts to hammer away at our confidence and our self-worth. 
like it's just like often people come to me with years of like trying and failing to get rid of something that really is is still there so how do how do your your clientele how do they get to the point of having confidence enough to say my structure for the morning these five objectives that i have uh is good enough is not something to worry about because we know that those with anxiety worry about every aspect if they're doing it right if they're doing it wrong uh so how does what what's one step that you get your clientele to understand uh how to declutter the complexity of their lives in order for them to enjoy being the ceo ceo of their lives yeah i love that um really we think the tasks and what we get done in a day matters none of that matters right. the most important thing is our relationship with ourselves and our relationship with our word and if we put 20 things in our calendar and only get 10 things done or we put five things in and get five things done mm -hmm. which one do you think is going to be better mm -hmm. it's like oh we got 10 things done here on the right yeah but we also created a day full of probably jam-packedness we're rushing to get somewhere because when we're trying to do all the things in one day it's typically because we think we're going to feel better once we've done them all whereas really we're constantly failing and because we're constantly failing to get everything done we're constantly stressed and then in our personal life we're thinking about our work life and in our work life we're thinking about how we weren't present in our personal life and it's such a fluttery mess so really it's about building that relationship with themselves and that can be as simple as like one of the things that we'll do is i'll say to them pick something that you do a few times in the week every week and let's get it in the schedule and make a decision on when it's going to be and how long it's going to be. And, and if you don't finish it in that time, we have to fail because like I teach my people to learn through failing. Um, and like I call it sitting in consequence, right? Like if we constantly like negotiate on everything in our calendar, we're always negotiating. The point of a calendar is just like disappeared. So really we're working on their relationship with themselves and showing up for themselves the same way they show up for a meeting with someone else. And that isn't about doing all the things. It's about getting less done and actually doing it in that time. So we're not procrastinating. And that can mean having an hour in your diary on a Monday to sit on Facebook if you want, but make that decision. Don't lie to yourself and then say that you're going to do 20 things, then sit in overwhelm, then not start, then procrastinate, mm -hmm. then spend three hours on Facebook and then judge yourself for three hours on Facebook. So work into the evening and not get good sleep. Mm -hmm. And that's how, you know, a lot of people, ambitious people that want to do a lot of things, take on the overwhelm and it's like, we just shut down. So that's mm -hmm. how we get them to get things done. With the anxiety so too many tasks equals procrastination yeah it equals overwhelm and stress which equals procrastination yeah mm -hmm. so what are some of the common mistakes that you see your clients uh i guess engaging in when it comes to procrastination and living with anxiety the most common mistake the most common mistake and the, and the biggest problem is the self-judgment they're like this shouldn't be like this Mm -hmm. This has got something's gone wrong because I'm experiencing anxiety. Something's gone wrong because I'm procrastinating. I'm lazy. I should know better. I know, like there's something wrong with me. All of that level of judgment is the main problem. Mm -hmm. um, again, overscheduling, like, you know, decide our brain completely overestimates 
what we can do in a short amount of time, like a day, and underestimates what we can do in a year. So what happens is we fail every day to get all the things done, and then we believe that we're not capable of getting things done, so then we don't achieve the year goals because we end up making them smaller and smaller and shrinking instead of the opposite, which could be five focuses every day and actually getting them done and then seeing the exponential growth as things that maybe took an hour, then take 30 minutes, then we have room for something else. And like growing with our business, if it's entrepreneurs, right? Growing with our growth, growing with our relationships, like all of these things, um, it's kind of like, you know, we don't say I love you on the first date. <laughs> like we grow into the best relationships and those relationships change with time and we can have that same relationship with ourselves, and we can have that same relationship with our schedule and our business and our time and our anxiety. Okay. So when we focus on relationship with self, then we focus on uh, the ability to be the CEO of our lives and handle or manage our anxiety throughout our day so that we can be more productive. Mm -hmm. and, and really making kind decisions for ourselves. I call it the best friend filter. Like when you look at your week, would you schedule that week for your best friend? Because think about it. You want your best friend to succeed. You know that their, their worth isn't attached to their work. You want them to have a good balanced life. Like all the good things, right? So if you look at your schedule and you're like, I would not want my best friend to have this week, then question it, like, why am I making those decisions for myself? Because when we make bad decisions for our schedule, we then rebel against those decisions. Yeah. <laughs> so we end up getting even less done. Um, yeah. So that's like a really powerful, simple trick for anyone listening. Just look at your schedule for the week and think, would I schedule this for my best friend? And if the answer is no, change it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where a lot of people come in in terms of your uh, statement, the CEO of their lives, they're scared to do something that is uh, not a part of their norm, their mundane, their dissatisfaction. And so I teach a lot of, uh, you know, my patients and my clients, the concept of being uncomfortable in, within your discomfort. That's a real thing. People sit within their discomfort. They do it all over again, every single day, without realizing that they really have the power to change their particular life, being the CEO of their world. Any other uh, things that you would like to share with our audience? And we also want to know how we can get a hold of you or see your social. So share with us how we can contact you. Just because of what you said about the discomfort thing, I'm going to give one more thing. Um, yeah. Because someone came to me a few weeks ago and, and was telling me how She'd been, you know, stuck in a, in a marriage that she didn't want to be in for 15 years because of the discomfort of getting the divorce and the fear around it. And so when we like sit in that discomfort, we're actually avoiding the bigger discomfort, right? The immediate. Yeah. And, and you can think of it like 10 liters of water and they can either drip over 15 years every day or you can get it all splashed on you at one time. And as soon as it's all on you, then you can start to dry and rebuild. And so the reason we stay stuck in the sitting in the discomfort is because our brain is so afraid of the bigger discomfort. But either way, discomfort is part of life, right? Like no matter what we do. So I just wanted to share that with everyone that we're not avoiding the discomfort by sitting in discomfort. We're prolonging the discomfort. And if you think about it, like either way it's going to get you, would you rather it got you like 
a lot up front and then you could dry and, and move on with your life or would you want it to drip through? Um, so I just wanted to share that little story. Um, and if people want to stay in touch, they can obviously, I recommend they listen to the podcast, which has like 10 minute episodes, like every week giving simple, actionable steps to like apply to your life. So that's F asterisk CK anxiety and get SH asterisk T done. And you can also go to VickiLouise.com. That's V I K K I L O U I S E and Vicky Louise coaching on Facebook. And maybe we'll put some links in the notes to my Instagram and stuff. Cause I don't want to overwhelm people with too many things. All right. Well, you know, Vicki, I appreciate you uh, sharing your uh, wisdom with us. I thank you for being here on the Shante Golson Show. And we focus on uh, mental health today and being the CEO of our own lives. So thank you again for sharing your expertise, for being here with us. I really do appreciate it. And so I want to take a moment to speak with the audience to state that anxiety while it is a mental health diagnosis, it is something that can be uh, rectified. There are different circumstances to anxiety. There are also differences within the concept of understanding triggers. We can trigger ourselves or circumstances can trigger ourselves that causes us to go into our thought process of how we usually protect the, ourselves. And what happens is, if we have unhealthy ways of protecting ourselves when we have discomfort, then we move into something that we uh, sabotaging or cognitive distortions. So what I want to encourage the, uh, the audience is, number one, understand your symptoms, what you are going through. Just like Vicki said, that she has sweaty, uh, you know, and, and heartbeat and, you know, things of this particular sort. Understand what's happening, your symptoms. So in the medical world, we call it symptoms. Understand what your symptoms are and then try to understand where they are coming from. So Vicki says when she woke up, uh, her anxiety was there. So then a couple of questions if she was could come into uh, my office would be, can you identify what you were dreaming about and or concerned about before you went to bed? So now let's understand our triggers and then we move forward in understanding strategies and skills that you can use. And so Vicki recommends using mindfulness, just the ability of being still and concentrating in where she is and focusing on her breathing and it, nothing else matters at that particular point. And so that is one of the strategies that you can use to reduce your uh, symptoms at that particular moment. So again, we want to thank Vicki for being here. And it was such a delight to speak with you. And I hope that you guys go out on her social medias, listen to her platforms, uh, uh, her podcast, so that you can grow and learn even more. So we'll speak to you in the next uh, podcast where we're going to focus on productivity, mental health, wellness, and profitabilities for small business owners as well as executives.